G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective. 2020 with Neil Johnson on Vision. Let's come back to a very important and significant initiative that is being launched out of the UK. And the likelihood is this initiative will sweep the world. And if uh, we're all very Uh, understanding of what could happen here if you're the sort of person who is feeling loneliness and isolation, perhaps a lack of friends, this is something that can take you into uh, those new friendships that perhaps you've yearned for. We might be encouraged. There's help coming if we're struggling with friendships, if those social media friends that we have aren't really the sorts of friends we could call at 2am in the morning, When our world is falling apart, uh, we might want to be able to develop and nurture friendships at a new level. A well-known author and broadcaster, Sheridan Voisey, is spearheading a new initiative. It's called the Friendship Lab. Sheridan is back with us once again. Sheridan, welcome back to 2020. Hey, good to be with you, Neil. Hey, Sheridan, uh, I know you've got a survey running now, and I'll encourage listeners to participate in that at the end of our conversation today. But uh, we talked earlier, a new social experiment, not that you're doing on people, but a way that people can experiment with new ways to actually deepen and nurture friendships that they perhaps have found elusive in the past. Yeah, I know, Neil, you're a great student of Scripture, and uh, I know many of our listeners are because they listen to me, and they probably know that uh, in the Greek there are multiple words for love. Our uh, English word love is is really quite small. We use it for so many different things, but actually the Greeks have uh, uh, agape, which is sacrificial love. They have eros, which is what we might call romantic or sexual love. Uh, there is storge, which is family love, and there is philia, which is friendship love. And I think what we can pretty safely say is that in our culture philia has been pushed out by eros we focus so much on the romantic and the sexual in our culture but it could also be said that in our church we have had philia pushed out by agape we focus on the cross the love of the cross and it's a wonderful love that brings tears to our eyes because of its love for us even though we were sinners and yet the bible also talks about philia friendship it's so important that we raise this very forgotten relationship up, especially at this time of loneliness in our in our world. So we have this vertical way of looking at God, and sometimes we call him friend. But the friends that we have horizontally, those friends in church life, those friends in our communities, we're not really connecting on the sort of level as that we perhaps could. Uh, you've been thinking through the issues, Sheridan, uh, about friendships, and I mentioned that you know the two a.m. friend, uh, the person you can call in the middle of the night when everything's just uh, you know the bottom's fallen out of your world. How do you think we should be thinking about friendships, both in church and within our workplace and in our communities, about how we can nurture those? Yeah, well, let's get the definition right first. 
So somebody who accepts our friend request on Facebook, <laughs> right? Yeah. It's a starting point. I mean, it's but it's not a friendship yet unless you're already friends uh, outside of the digital world and then, you know, you're staying in touch that way. Um, a friend is not somebody who I see all the time, perhaps at my local cafe. Uh, no, they're probably serving us. And so uh, there's a slight differential in power there. Um, a friend is not necessarily a colleague. I'm hearing a lot of people say, uh, particularly when they retire, and they say, oh, all these years I thought I had friends, I actually had colleagues. A colleague can become a friend, but you actually have to take that relationship outside of the office for it to become so. So here's a definition I work with. A friend is someone I can talk to, depend on, grow with, and enjoy. If you have those four elements, then you can really develop a really good friendship. Now, the relationship itself has its own qualities. It's voluntary, so you can't force anybody to be your friend. Uh, it is effective, uh, with an A, effective. It means there's always some sort of warmth there. Even if you're kind of keeping each other account and maybe some tough words, there's still a warmth there that's shared with you. But a very key aspect is that it is equal and that it is mutual. So I could befriend you, but unless you return it to me, then we don't have a friendship. And the same thing, you could show me friendship, you could show me uh, care and love, you could be calling me up and all sorts of things. But unless I reciprocate that, we don't yet have a friendship. And I think that's what happens for a lot of us, particularly in churches, is that we focus so much on that agape love caring, loving, um, loving those who are least lovable and and giving even if we don't get anything in return. That is good gospel love giving. Let's keep on doing that. But it's not friendship. It's friendship when it's reciprocated. So I think that can help us work out, well, then what do I have in my life? Do I have those reciprocal friendships where we're both there for each other? Should we verbalize those sorts of thoughts? Uh, we think that someone might want to be our friend, uh, but we can't actually take that for granted, can we? But unless we verbalize that and say, I'd like to be your friend, would you like to be my friend? Perhaps without that verbalizing, you might just be uh, still uh, wandering around uh, hoping that you've got friends, but not really knowing that you do. It's a real tricky thing with this relationship. All the other relationships we have, we do actually define it between ourselves. You think about in romance, <laughs> there comes a point where the guy and the girl say, you know, okay, I really want to be an item now. And you define it. And from that moment on, most people can actually look back to a moment where you went out for coffee or whatever it might be. And then when it moves on, you've got a defining moment when there's engagement, a specific request. And then from that moment on, a defining moment when you have the marriage, you don't have that with friendship because of its voluntary, fluid nature. It's one of the beauties of friendship, but then it's one of the difficulties. You don't sometimes know whether you're in a friendship or not. Well, you, you can know, and sometimes, yes, it might actually be worth defining it and say, look, I, I just really enjoy the times that we've been able to get together, and I just, I'd just i really like to, to call you friend. I'd like to kind of move on together as a friendship. Uh, so that could be worthwhile trying. The other thing you can do is to have some moments where you, you be intentional and you meet up a few times and then it might come time where you're just wondering whether they're still as keen as you are to pursue this friendship. And you might say, oh, well, look, I've I've arranged the last three coffee meetings uh, and I've always suggested the place. Uh, gosh, here I am kind of really defining, you know, where we meet. How about next time if you want to meet? How about next time you suggest a place that we meet? Would you like to do that? And so what happens then is that you've kind of put the ball into their court and then they can then pick it up or indeed they can they can let it go. 
Sheridan, you don't suggest you randomly call your friends at 2am in the morning <laughs> because uh, the 2am friend, uh, if you do call your friends at 2am in the morning, you might know whether they really are your friend by what they respond with on the other end of the line. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so that's probably something when you talk about 2am friends, um, the person you can call when the bottom's falling out of your world, uh, you want to make sure that you do have that friendship intact before that time comes. Uh, sometimes that's not so easy. That is so true and a really important point, uh, Neil. I think there are even proverbs in the Old Testament that talk about, <laughs> you know, um, there are some friends that, you know, are calling you way too often and they're not really friends at all. No, that whole idea behind that that idea of uh, who are your 2am friends, the people you can call when everything has gone wrong. The whole idea of that is as a catalyst to work out how strong your relationships are. The next thing is then to strengthen them and be intentional about that. Uh, I had that question asked of me many years ago, and, and I wasn't sure who I could call at that time. Because you think about what that question implies. It says that I can call somebody at my moment of deepest need, but also at their moment of, uh, of, of deepest annoyance, really, at two o'clock in the morning. And so you want somebody that you've already developed a relationship with there too. And that's why it's not just having a friend, it's deepening that friendship that's so important. So that, that person, of course, they would take your call at two o'clock in the morning. You've got a crisis. Uh, you've had a car crash. Of course you call me. I'm going to jump in my car. I'm going to come out and get you. Uh, so this is why it's important to focus that time on intentionally building those friendships before the crises come. We're talking about friendships between one another, uh, perhaps people who are a part of our church, our community, uh, people who are in some ways in our world. Uh, this is not a discussion about friendship with God. You know that Abraham was called a friend of God. And we come to the New Testament and Jesus and his disciples. Jesus called his disciples his friends, but it really wasn't until later in his ministry that he did that. So actually determining friendship, I guess you're looking at a time of building up that friendship. So before you do actually pick the phone up for a 2 a.m. call, uh, there's a little nurturing to do and this intentionality that you were talking about. Yeah, it really is. And, you know, speaking about some of the scriptural references of this, well, of course, the, the Greek word philia is used uh, through the New Testament uh, and its related words, um, philio and things like that. But when we look at Jesus' life, it's so interesting in terms of the kind of lens of friendship. Of course, in John 15, he said, you know, uh, I don't call you my servants, I call you my friends. Now, it's a really interesting relationship because I think it was Plato who said you can't have friendship with a god. And the idea being because you have to have that equality that we were talking about earlier. And uh, so you can't be friends with a god. Well, look what happens. Jesus, God incarnate, comes to earth and then he says to his closest people around him, I don't call you my servants anymore, I call you my friends. This is profound, but he's leading it. We still worship him, there is still a difference in authority between us, but he brings us up into his relationships, which is profound. But another way we can do this is look at Jesus' own friendships. When you kind of think about Jesus' disciples, in a way you could say that they were they were his his colleagues, they were his ministry colleagues. He, he called them up, he called them to a mission and whether it be the 12 or whether it be the 72 disciples that he had around him, they were on mission together. What about Jesus' own relationships outside of that? 
Well, we have three very special friends in the uh, siblings in Bethany, in John 11, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. We don't think, and we're pretty sure they weren't part of the 72 disciples. They're not part of the 12. These are Jesus' friends, and we find two or three occasions where he is spending time with them. He probably went and stayed with them in Bethany when he was passing through town. And we have some amazing experiences, of course. They get to see Jesus raise their brother, Lazarus, from the dead. But before then, you see all these wonderful little nuances about the relationship Think about before Lazarus was raised from the dead, when uh, they called for Jesus to come because Lazarus was sick. They don't even say Lazarus's name. They say, Lord, the one you love is sick. Uh, When they are disappointed that Jesus comes too late and he comes and arrives by the time that Lazarus has already died. Well, one of the sisters is so disappointed she doesn't even come out out of the house to go and (laughs) see Jesus. The other one comes out and says, Lord, if you'd just been here, this wouldn't have happened. That is the language of friendship. That is the language of I can be open and honest with you. If you want to look at Jesus' friends, take a look at Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and you see this wonderful relationship. So Jesus himself needed friends. He had them. He served them. He loved them. He listened to them, even when they were disappointed in him. And, of course, he served them to the greatest degree by then meeting their deepest needs, raising their brother from the dead. It's an amazing story. That's wonderful insight into friendships. And at this moment, as you're preparing to really launch the Friendship Lab in a significant way a little later on, uh, in the meantime, you've got a survey and you're inviting people here in Australia and uh, people in the UK, in fact, uh, people throughout the world, no doubt, anyone who wants to respond can probably respond to it. But you've got a survey and you're asking people for their honest responses to some survey questions. What are you wanting to hear from people as you put some foundation in place as a research base for getting this movement happening? Yeah, look, we spent the last three years looking into uh, all the academic stuff. Uh, Now I really want to hear from the personal stuff. I want to hear the real on-the-ground experiences that you have had with your friendships, the good ones, the ones that haven't gone so well, uh, and to tell me just what it is like to have those kinds of, you know, Mary and Martha moments where you come out and say, oh, if we'd just been here, (laughs) things would be different. Uh, That's what I want to hear. So it only takes a few minutes. It's anonymous. So you can be as honest as you want about the number of friends that you have, about how you feel about that. Some people want more friends than others. That's absolutely fine. Just tell me what you think and your experience there. Uh, Looking into the areas of conflict as well. Um, what's coming out in the kind of early stages of the survey is just that people are really wanting to explore how to resolve conflict in a friendship. And also very interestingly that those who have lost a friendship due to some kind of conflict never really tried to resolve it. And again, that's that nature of friendship. It's very fluid. And so unlike, say, a marriage relationship or even a work relationship where you kind of say, look, we are committed here. We have to kind of we have to sort this out. That often doesn't happen with friendship, and yet people long for it to do so. So things like that are all incorporated in the survey. And if you could tell me your experiences, you will be helping us to really work out where to scratch to make sure the scratch meets the itch. Well, the survey is not open endlessly. It'll come to a close very shortly. So uh, while the survey is open, my encouragement to listeners to go to thefriendshiplab.org 
website and you can take that Friendship Lab survey. Your answers to the survey will remain anonymous. Friendshiplab.org. Sheridan Voisey is spearheading this new initiative. It's grown from not just being a book that he'll write, but it's becoming a not-for-profit. It's becoming a movement uh, that is likely to be taken up right around the world. Sheridan, thanks so much for sharing your thoughts, your heart, your insights with us once again today on 2020. Oh, Thank you so much for the support, Neil. Really appreciate it. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.